Hello and welcome back to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and I have with me today, Dr. Cornell Grisby. She is a former school psychologist transitioning to an education CEO, doing work across the state of Georgia in a variety of ways. And on this podcast, we like to interview folks that are solving problems in school communities. In this case, it's a home community. And before we get started, I want to remind you to go subscribe to our YouTube channel at SEL Educators and visit our website, seleducators.com, to learn more about how we support educator well-being in school communities. So with that said, Dr. G, thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. I know that you are super busy with all that you do. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be a part of this conversation. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I, I had a chance to meet you at the Black School Psychologist Network. Shout out to them. Um, amazing conference, amazing five, six hundred black doctors and, and just excellence all the way around. And I know you had a um, a session there as well, but it was exciting to see all the growth, all the opportunity and all the things that go on. Can you talk to me a bit about your school psychology journey? Absolutely. I started my school psych journey right out of undergrad. I learned about the field of school psych. I want to say going into my senior semester, I did graduate um, a semester early. Once I learned about school psych, it kind of helped me move a lot faster with finishing my undergrad degree and going into my doctoral program. So um, it kind of fell into my lap. I was working with a high school doing a mentoring program with the graduation coach. I was really passionate about that work, but I knew I didn't want to work maybe like as a teacher or a traditional administrative role. When I learned about school psych, I wit um, not witnessed, what's the word? I shadowed a school psychologist that had a private practice and was really intrigued with that, which is what encouraged me to do the doctoral program because I knew I wanted to do a private practice initially. Um, but in my journey through getting my degree, I did have to do school placement. So I did my practicum in Clinton County. I did my advanced practicum in Coweta County Schools. So I was able to see um, different levels of need, just the way that students of color were being treated in the school system when it came to special education. I learned a lot about what I did not um, like in schools, I also learned a lot of opportunity gaps that I could fill as I navigated my career. And I got really passionate about supporting students with autism just because of some of the assignments that I had to do in graduate school. So the, the journey kind of, it was running and I was just trying to keep up with it, honestly. I was very open-minded in my program, especially when it came to trying new things. And I feel like that's been a really good asset to me as a business owner now. Um, yeah. So for anyone who is in grad school and probably wanting to set themselves up to have as many options as possible. I think it's really important as a student that you're trying as many different things and mm -hmm. being open to opportunities outside of what you are familiar with or even what you went into the field for. You never know what will kind of spark your interest. But um, I, did my, I did my doctoral program kind of straight through, like I said, right out of undergrad. And while doing that, I started my business. I worked with power practice for a little bit and kind of just transitioned into full-time entrepreneurship, business ownership. and have been in that realm for the last five years at this point. All right, thanks for sharing, uh, Dr. G. Are, are you a person that's always had this entrepreneurial, go get it type of mindset or did that for sure. get cultivated? For sure. Okay, okay. In middle school, I used to tell people all the time, I sold snacks in seventh grade <laughs> and was making some good money. I remember yeah. I was I was like optimal snacks. There was another person that sold snacks but people would like want mines because my chips wouldn't be crunched up. Like yeah. I didn't just throw in a duffel bag and. I cared about my customer service and I used yeah. to get feedback. Like I was very passionate about that. And I also, um, I'm an immigrant. My parents, you know, they worked two and three jobs when we first moved to the United States because that's the only way we can make it. We were like not poor enough 
for government assistance, mm. but we definitely lived in the hood when we started, like the hood hood. And um, I saw my parents have to navigate just getting money however they could to take care of our family. And my a lot of the things that my mom would do, she would find different jobs where we have to be a telemarketer. I was like eight years old, calling people, making calls. Wow. We would be delivering newspapers wow. or at that time when they had the yellow pages, we'd deliver the yellow pages. We would always find a way to make some money. So I realized pretty early that you can't just go to a job and come home because um, I didn't see my parents just go to one job and come home. We would clean offices because my mom is a housekeeper or a house manager. Um, and so she would get little jobs from doing that on the side. We would go do that with her. So, you know, I'd be able to see how we could either go in the mornings and clean or we can go in the evenings and clean you know mm. so that whole idea of making your own schedule having flexibility but still getting your money right. was embedded in my brain from a young age and I, I feel like I've always been attracted to that because I love flexibility mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily enjoy telling I'm um, being told what to do I think I'm a pretty strong thinker so I don't really need to be micromanaged but I'm very um comfortable with being responsible yeah. in a leadership role I think you have to be willing to do both so um you know, it, it's something that I've always been really interested in. Mm-hmm. It was something that was not really encouraged in grad school, unfortunately. And I realized that it was starting to stifle my passion a little bit just because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be put into a box as much with my career. So I'm glad that I didn't stay in that space for too long. I think yeah. it would have been pretty detrimental to my mental health for real mm-hmm. um, on a serious note, but also just, you know, my ability to make an impact as a professional. Yeah, I, I I always say lifestyle over job title, and and you can do a lot of mm-hmm. different things when you are flexible enough to um, think outside the box. And um, like you just said, uh, we we tend to in education just have that deficit aspect and don't necessarily think outside of the box. And I think just traditionally, you know, stuff is just so academic; it's so tied to curriculum. Yeah. And where I've been uh, a bit of a rebel is is not getting my degree. So when I found out that you had to go to school for six years to be a doctor I was like okay I'm, I'm gonna do something else we'll do a master's and a license or something like yeah. that and, and I've been able to stack up different kind of certifications and credentials to get yeah. to some of those doors um how, how would you say that entrepreneurial spirit helped you or or maybe hindered you in that experience I know you said it kind of got to a place where you were too restricted so that might have been mm-hmm. just too tightened but what were some of the ways that that spirit supported you in your school psychology experience? That's a great question, um, actually, because I think it, you have to kind of develop that in different settings. So before I started my business and I was working in the school, something that I was good at was the consultation piece. So making relationships with other people, networking, essentially. Mm-hmm. So consultation in the school setting, networking in the business world. Um, but I was really good at that. I would be friends with everybody in the building. I knew how to leverage relationships to get things done. And as an employee of a school district, as a school psychologist, and that um, gave me a lot of credibility in the school. So then it gave me the opportunity to be to come in later because I just didn't feel like I need to be there early. But mm-hmm. I had the right relationships to where I could do that. Um, you know, I was also able to be really efficient with how I work because I understood that deadlines are deadlines. And if you are comfortable with getting stuff done at this time, you have to be disciplined and get it done. And mm-hmm. I think even... On a personal note, I'm a very disciplined person in a lot of ways, and that carries over into my professional life. Mm. As a business owner, it's essential, um, I think. But um, when I worked in the schools, that was also really helpful. I think people knowing that I'm dependable and kind of knowing what to expect, but also being able to exceed expectations at times so that you're always kind of keeping, 
keeping yourself in the positive. So when you have shortcomings, when you have bad days, people don't see you as that thing. They recognize that you kind of have, your default is the go-to person, the dependable person, the, Mm -hmm. you know, reliable person who will do a great job at what they do. So um, I incorporated a lot of that in those settings when I worked in the schools, those, I guess, um, soft skills in a way was Mm -hmm. helpful. And then also like I knew what I was doing professionally. Um, And I think as a business owner, if you don't know all the answers, you still have to get the things done because your business depends on it. Um, And so as a school psychologist in the building, I don't have all the answers and I'm humble enough to recognize that, but then I will follow up with you. I will get back to you, that type of thing. Um, And that was definitely something that my professor taught us or mentioned to us in my graduate program. But I think it it's not valued as much as it really needs to the idea of the follow-up and the follow-through piece because there's so much that happens in the school building we can't um put every fire out immediately you know some things we have to close the loop on it later but that same thing occurs in business where you may start a deal you may start a a venture with someone you have to make sure that you basically like project management like you know you kind of monitor where you are and then you make sure that everything gets done so mm-hmm. just incorporate mm-hmm. some of those skills yeah those, those are good I, I heard discipline and you didn't say it explicitly but, but being vulnerable I think that's a, a key skill that you mentioned as well mm-hmm. like, I, I don't know what I'm talking about right now I think that's a skill yeah. that a lot of people just get in their own way without asking for help and then the overall emotional intelligence so uh Dr. Grisby I, I transitioned I've been in business this is year seven too but the first year I only have one Yay. contract. Thank you. I have one contract <laughs> and, I, and I got married and my dad was like, Trey, you, you can't have right. a, a, a one contract. Okay. You're going to have to figure something out. So I went and got a dean of students role. And then last year transitioned out of my dean of students role back into consulting. And it was, um, you know, I, I, I'm hearing some of in your story, just that transition piece. And I think even that's a, a critical component. I think so much in life happens in those transition seasons. And so I was very diligent and methodical about how I had that conversation with my director and uh, what it was like to put in my my resignation, so to speak, and how I was going to continue to support the school if they needed me afterwards. What was your experience like transitioning from your school psych role into your business? I know you mentioned you were working in private practice, but can you kind of talk me mm-hmm. through the steps and conversations you had? I surely can. I went to Coweta County to do my um, pre-doctoral internship. That's the last internship I had to do before I finished my degree. Um, I had already done all the coursework and I was just writing my dissertation. So that year I had to be in the schools because it was required for my hours. And during that year, I knew I wasn't going to work in the schools. I knew that my maybe two or three months into grad school. I was mm-hmm. like, this is not for me. I don't want to do that. Um, and what I will say is I, I stuck with that. And so for people who have that um, kind of like the intuition, like stick with it. It's probably the best place for you to be is wherever you feel like you'll thrive the most. And for me, I just knew I didn't want that setting. So with that in mind, I never had anyone thinking I was staying anywhere school related. Mm-hmm. So it wouldn't have to be a long drawn gotcha. out like, removal process, if that makes sense. Um, and they didn't love it. Um, I know for the predoctoral year, they hired me actually to work one year. And when they offered me the position, that was the first time in my life that I had a salary job. Mm-hmm. Like I had been, in, I've been a student my entire life up mm-hmm. until that point. So they offered me the job and I'm like, oh, I'm making some real money. Like, this is great. Um, and before I signed the contract, I let them know, I'm, this is my only one. I'm not coming back. And mm-hmm. if y'all want me to come back, I'm just, I won't take this contract. Right. 
And so I signed it and I worked that one year and then I left after that year was over. So it was understood, I would say, um, not implied, definitely a very clear conversation of expectations for me. And then it put me in a position of, well, I have to have a plan when I, Mm -hmm. once this year is over. So in the year that I was working full time in that role for that one year in the school system, I had also started working in two private practices, like on weekends doing testing. So there's a lot of flexibility when you're contract Mm -hmm. testing. And that gave me the private practice experience. And I went from the schools full-time and the private practice setting part-time while also working for the business more or less (laughs) full-time, like all the other hours of the day to um, leaving the schools when my contract ended, going into private practice full-time and running my business full-time. And then I eventually transitioned from private practice full-time to just being in the business full-time. Mm. And that was over the course of, I would say, two years. Okay. Right around, actually, like 2019, okay. 2020, 2021. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. That's good. And I know you you have some courses and we'll we'll transition a little bit into the business. What would you say were um in that two-year process, is mm-hmm. there any critical moments or decisions that were made that was like, man, that decision really helped me get over the hump or you know, this this thing yeah. right here really helped? Mm-hmm. I would say that when I worked in the schools especially knowing that I didn't want to stay in the schools, I was really intentional about taking advantage of trainings that I could use to have consultation roles, contract roles with school systems and still be valuable. Oh, one second. That is sort of my life. I'm constantly getting phone calls. So um, that may very well happen again. I apologize. But um, so while I was in the schools that last, that one full year I was working as a salaried school psychologist, I did an endorsement that they offered for free to, um, school psychologists that were on, you know, on staff in the school district. And I often encourage people now, in hindsight, that was probably one of the best things that I could do because it gave me confidence to build a business off of a need in the school system, if that makes sense. So where now I, even to this point, get calls to work on, um, it was an MTSS endorsement, if you're familiar with that as an educator. So I basically learned how to implement MTSS from start to finish in a school district. If they've never done MTSS or RTI before, I'm showing them from a systems level down to the school uh, classroom level, what that looks like. Hmm. And uh, as a school psych, we kind of get pulled into that a little bit if we want to, but doing the endorsement was helpful for me because it offered like another stream of income at some point if I needed that. So yeah, I did the endorsement, that was helpful. And I think that was kind of critical in giving me the confidence that I can make money with the skills that I have, whether Mm -hmm. I'm in the schools as a full-time school psych or not. Um, And I think that was important. The other piece was when I was developing the idea of wanting to be a full-time business owner and entrepreneur, because those are two different things. And I think that's important to understand as well. (laughs) In my mind, those are two different things. Um, But seeing what gaps were happening in the schools allowed me to make a business from that. And that's what started my business. What I do now is not what I did when I started in business. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I think may feel intimidating to some people who follow me or they learn about what I do as a business owner right now. That's not how I started my business at all. Um, what mm-hmm. I started with looked a lot more like what I would have done <clears throat> at school, like in a traditional way. But you just kind of every experience that I had gave me new ways and new skills to add that would allow me to have a more successful business. So 
Yeah. I think the key piece is pick up those trainings as you can, like learn as much as you can, like always be interested in learning some new things that you're passionate about and then turn that into something profitable when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Those are good. Those are, those are really good keys. I know a lot of people get frustrated with professional developments and trainings. I think the third thing that you said too, was uh, recognizing those gaps. Business mm -hmm. is all problems. If you're not solving a problem, you don't, you don't have a business. And you yeah. said you got a, um, there's a distinction between business owner and entrepreneur. Tell me about yes. those. Yeah. So in my world, um, having a business is something that you develop and then you maintain it. Right. So there's a means to scale a business, but a business owner can, can maintain a business. A, an entrepreneur is going to help scale that business because the mindset that I mm -hmm. feel like you have to have is very different. The level of risk you take as an entrepreneur is going to look different than if you own a business, because typically at this point you have, if you have employees and clients, the goal is if we make $20,000 a month, we have, we want to maintain that. And if you do that and you maintain that you're a business owner, but if you want to scale that and maybe have multiple locations be in different um, areas and offer additional services that takes someone that's forward thinking, that's innovative. Mm -hmm. And that's more of an entrepreneur mindset and so there are plenty of entrepreneurs that i've met who don't run businesses mm -hmm. they have someone who's running that business who's a franchisee they own that location or however that works and they're kind of planting seeds and they're on to the next thing mm -hmm. and right now I, I i live in both worlds because the way that my business is now i'm maintaining what we have developed but i'm constantly looking for the next thing developing right. the next thing and then putting things in place so that we can get to that place if that yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. I, I, so, I think it's an unpopular opinion. It just depends. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it can be semantics, but I think that it does make a difference. And in, in especially for people, I know you're helping folks transition from school to business or whatever their scenario mm -hmm. is. That makes a difference. Like you said, the level yeah. of risk and everybody's not a CEO. You know, you, yeah. you, you can want to be a business owner, but that doesn't mean you're number one. You might be, mm -hmm. number three. you know, you might be the COO or the CTO, whatever the case is. And that's right. just fine because it's not about the job title. It's about the lifestyle. And I see mm -hmm. you in your office right now as well. Um, with yes. So can you tell me this is your business, correct? Not your entrepreneur. Well, yes. it was entrepreneur. Now this is your business. Can you talk about how your yes, transition to now? Yes. So essentially, and this is the third location we've had since I started my business, third like actual commercial location that we've had. Wow. Um, when I started the business, we were doing tutoring primarily, and that was happening in a one room unit that we rented that was like shared, like a co-working co -working space, but you had your own office type of thing. Um, we quickly grew out of that and got another building that accommodated for us to see more individuals at a time. And I was kind of facilitating in that role more so doing all the admin stuff. So intake paperwork, making sure we, everybody signs, social media mm -hmm. waivers and all those things. Um, and now that we're in this office, I'm still kind of in that overseeing role, but I have staff that work with the clients that I serve. When I first began my work with the government, I was seeing the clients by myself. And that lasted about three weeks when I realized I couldn't do it because I was getting so many clients mm -hmm. that it was overwhelming. And I'm like, people are waiting to be for me to see them, it's only so many hours in the day and I'm driving to all these people's homes. So right. it's not, it's one of me, right? Um, and initially that was the way I was providing services while still doing the tutoring was still happening in the office. But I just found that there was always a more efficient way 
to make more money and provide better services for my clients. And that's mm. kind of where the entrepreneur side comes in because yeah. I could have just maintained what I was doing and limited how much income I could make and stay at the place that I was at running the business in that regard. Mm-hmm. But I, I've always wanted to be as efficient as I can with how I run my business. So I don't have to have a bunch of staff if I don't need to, right. um, but I don't get to, I don't um, necessarily limit how many clients I can see because of the staff that I have, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so now we're in office space and I I'm in my office within the office and there's a lot going on out there that y'all can't see to the right. Um, but our clients come here. We also see them in the home setting as well. So there's staff that are going to homes and providing services. We have a group that comes here. And now that we've gotten this system established, I'm looking to do it in a few other cities. So I've been doing mm. some traveling lately, um, doing some market research on, well, where else would I like to go and how will I need to tweak services for this population and this demographic versus here in Georgia. So there's, that's kind of the way that I've been navigating it thus far. Yeah. I, I like your business mind. It sounds very, very narrow. You, you're speaking efficiently as well. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a fan, Dr. G. Um, <laughs> your, your mission is to equip our clients with the tools necessary to be competent and competent change agents within their family and community. So can you mm-hmm. break down who you're working with and what you're yes. doing for them? I would love to. So it's interesting that you said, and I, I was about to answer that question. I realized I need to pause for a second. In many ways, there's almost like tiers to how we provide services. My client base, um, I guess, if you're looking at it from an invoice perspective, I work with clients who are typically adults living with a disability. Most of those adults have an intellectual disability or a developmental disability. So that includes autism and intellectual disability, um, cerebral palsy, like all the, any neurodevelopmental disorder that would cause them to have some developmental delays as a child that they have not necessarily um, fully developed out of that. So they need additional supports. They have an IQ below 70, all of my clients. It's kind of the criteria that they have to meet. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, like we, if in working in the schools, when a child struggles with learning, sometimes they struggle with behavior, sometimes they struggle with communications. There's a lot of overlap. So we have clients who have medical needs um, because they have poor eating habits because they have sensory needs. Like it's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to meet them where they are, assess how we can um, properly like enrich their lives. And then we go from there. Mm -hmm. So the model that we use for providing services with our clients here is almost like RTI in the schools. So we kind of see what they struggle with, see what they do well with, and then use their strengths to manage their weaknesses and just teach them something. Like just give them some kind of life skill that will help them be closer to independence as much as they can handle. And, and it's a vibe, but I also have an internship. So I would say my interns can also be considered a client base as well, because part of it is teaching high school students how to properly provide services to the client or adults, Hmm. sorry, living with disabilities. And so they get their, their time, they get their training. And that, um, those interns have turned into staff members for me, especially with this summer, because we're, um, providing services throughout the week now. We're here Monday through Saturday. Mm. And so I have to have enough staff to not wear everybody out and kind of interchange. So yeah. I, um, I'm i constantly kind of, you know, providing the business with a system so that it can sustain itself. And yeah. that is not dependent on me being here or not because I could have been in a whole different location having this meeting with you yeah. and all this continue to be happening out there. Mm-hmm. So um, my goal is to 
you know, invest in different levels of the business so that it can sustain itself and then it can grow and scale yeah. and work wherever it is in whatever setting. Mm, that's cool. And and thank you for letting us see your your where I'm at. Back, yeah, <laughs> yeah, where you're at. I think I think it's cool. I, I appreciate the authenticity and, and just the the insight to to what you've got going yeah. on. So it's a good time um, over yeah. here. But yeah, very, very fun, very cool office. Uh, I know you got some cool kids. You do a good job on social media as well, kind of displaying and showcasing some of your work on your YouTube channel and those types of things. So become your best self with bestself.co. They have 90 day journals, six month action plans, daily journals, gratitude cards, relationship cards, all kinds of things to help you become a better version of yourself. Visit bestself.co and use the code GAMAGE for 15% off your next order. Um, I know you said too, you're doing some contracts with the government and I I, I want to say it's yes. statewide, but I'm not um, too sure. Yes. Are, are you contract is statewide? Is it through the Department of Education or is it more the state of Georgia? Both? And, state and of Georgia. State of Georgia. Yeah. So here in Georgia, we have the Department for Behavioral Health. It's, well, the acronym is DBHDD. They have all kinds of letters in between. So that um, department is where individuals who have SSI, are you familiar with SSI? So mm -hmm. they're getting government assistance because they have a disability. Okay. And so they get funding because they, most people that get SSI are not able to work. Oh, so yeah, 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 the government okay. will compensate them and they live off of that fixed income, essentially. So a lot of our clients have a fixed income through SSI because they have been identified by the state of Georgia as having a disability. Mm -hmm. And once the state, it's almost like in the schools, they have what they call child fine. If you're, if you've heard of that before, once the school finds a child to have some sort of issue, they have to do something about it. So the state is similar in that once they identify that, oh, you have a disability, we can't just identify you and then let you sit there and not mm -hmm. do anything about it. So they set up um, funding in place to provide services. My business is a vendor with the state agencies that provide those services to individuals with disabilities. And so that's kind of, the, basically the state agencies that I work with are my, um, that's who I invoice. Those are right. who pays me. The mm -hmm. clients that I work with are basically clients of those agencies. So through my direct work with the state agencies that are funded from the federal government funds the state, the state funds the agencies, the agencies fund me. So it's kind of mm -hmm. like a funnel in that regard. Yeah. And then the clients come to me. So yeah. I don't have to, I don't market, I don't advertise for like four clients to fill spaces because they're already in the database of those agencies looking mm -hmm. for providers to to basically bill them and take yeah. money. And so look, that's that, why I was telling people like, please get this money because it's out there. It's literally that, that makes life a lot easier. I, I've been <laughs> I need does. to fill out my certifications to get my my state uh procurement vendor, all that kind of stuff. So I can I can do some of that stuff too. Cause it's that's probably the hardest part about businesses is finding clients. But if you've got, you know, agencies yeah. that are providing them, you know, that that helps a whole lot. Um mm -hmm. man, there, there's so much that we've covered already. And I know there's hours more that we could discuss. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that that you want to make sure that folks know or, or understand about you and reach? Um, yes. I would say the main thing is that I'm not a special case where I'm doing this because I have the most this or I'm the expert in that. Having a doctorate is not necessary for what I do. You need to be business-minded and you need to have grit and persistence and be disciplined, be responsible. Like all the things that I feel are the soft skills you need to be successful in any job, in any career field, in any path that you take. 
So I say that because I, I meet a lot of individuals either through social media or in person that feel as though they're too far off from where I'm at to get started. And it's not, um, I won't say it's not hard. It's, n- it's not hard unless you make it hard. I will mm-hmm. say that. But I think that knowing what to do is, is critical. And right. part of why I started the course was because I realized that I learned a lot of expensive mistakes on my own because I don't have anyone in my family that's running a business to the um, magnitude that I am at this mm-hmm. point. So everything I've learned has come from finding the people to help me, like going online, networking, um, and then being able to humble myself to speak with other people who can guide me on this on this journey so I can do it well and do it right. So I am happy to share my journey more because I realize that I don't know a school psych doing what I do. Mm-hmm. I have yet to meet one. And I think being a school psychologist and having that background is really helpful in what I do. Right. So it's like, y'all get in here. Like, listen, or if you just want to more from a, you just want to own the business and have other people run it and you still work in the schools, you can do whatever you want. There's flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so being that it's been such a great option for me. And even now, like I started solely focusing on the business after I left my prior practice role. And I did that until I automated a lot of the aspects of what I do now to where I was like, I have, I have time. Like I could be doing something else because mm. the business is business at this point. So yeah. that's why I went back to um, the virtual school psychology role that I'm doing because I, I enjoy being a school psychologist. I just want to do it on my terms. <laughs> if I'm being, if I'm being honest. And being virtual definitely is, is nice because I can be in, um, the way that they want us in multiple places at one time in the schools for real, I can do that much easier mm. in a virtual role while yeah. also maintaining um, the growth and scale of my business on the entrepreneurial side, but also the daily maintenance of my business on the business owner side. So it mm-hmm. kind of gives me that flexibility. And I want people who are seeking that to know that they can get started wherever they are. Um, Dr. G, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to work with you or to speak with you. It seems like you're very easy to work with as well. Your, your students love you or your clients love you, I should say. Um, and, and I appreciate, oh, that's, that I got my last question for you. <laughs> easy you to CEO, that, that's it. Yeah. Easy to CEO and you can tell the folks how to, how to contact you and, and be engaged with Reach for what you've got going on with being Dr. G. Listen, because it's, it's a whole process over here, being, being me and doing what I do. But I love what I do every day. I want to put that out there. I have been through processes where I could not, say that but i knew that i was willing to be persistent to get to this point so um being at the point that i'm at now it's important that i share what i know with other people Mm -hmm. and if you want to learn how to transition in your own way on your unique path from your current role in the schools to anything um, entrepreneurial outside or business owner outside while using your school psych skills particularly then i created a course for that um, and it's a live course because I realized that having something manualized would not be conducive to what we do right now. Um, and I think in some time I'll be able to develop that, but I like to learn the person individually and then develop from there. Basically the whole RTI method of meeting you where you are, figuring mm. out what you need and then helping you get that done. But it's on you. Like I'm given the guidance, I'm given the cheat codes because I've learned a lot of lessons and there are things, if I were to start over today with what I know, I would be 10 thousand steps ahead of myself right and I want that for anyone who's willing to bet on themselves and make that transition because it's so fulfilling to see that if you put a hundred percent and you get a thousand percent back 
in your business. And so um, if that's something that someone's passionate about, my website is um, beingdrg.com and there's a direct link on the website to the course so that you can sign up and then we get you started. I also share information on my Instagram. So my personal Instagram is being underscore Dr. G, but my business Instagram is reach AKG underscore EDU. And I'm assuming you'll post all that somewhere yeah, for yeah, anyone yeah. who's interested. Yeah. yeah. But um, once you go to either the business or the Instagram page, that'll give you access to websites. We have our YouTube channel for reach where you can learn about what our services look like. So if you're unsure what family support services is, which is kind of the umbrella of services that I provide now mm -hmm. with my business, then um, I show you how I do it. And I feel like what's been really lucrative for me and what's helped me be so successful in a very interesting financial state that the country is in is the fact that we um, we are efficient in how we provide services and we maximize our staff so that we can provide the best services for our clients. And it's working really well and people love it and I love it. So we're happy to share um, and I take emails. If anyone wants to email me, I can have all that information provided to you as well for the audience. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. G. This is a, a refreshing conversation. I thank you for being so open with your business, with your experience and, and, you know, on this episode and also in your content. So if you like this episode and you're listening right now, find somebody to share it with. Find somebody to reach out to Dr. G on our YouTube channel, the Reach AKG site or beingdrg.com. And for me, mm -hmm. we'll see you next time. This is the Dash Podcast. Enjoy your day. Thanks for listening to us on the Dash Podcast. I definitely hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you liked it, share it with a friend, share it with an educator, share it with someone who needs to hear the message from this episode. You can visit our website, seleducators.com to learn more about our online courses and professional development training for schools and districts. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash.